Hello, everyone. I'm Sophie. And I'm Jenna. And this is True Crime Say, Say What, the show where I know what I'm talking about. And I'm just here for the ride. Today, I have an extra special case for us because it was suggested by my friend and roommate. I don't know if she wants me to say her name. Uh, so we're just going to leave it at that. Um, she read about this case from an Instagram post. I had already known about it. She was like, Sophie, Sophie, do you know about this case where um, this serial killer would leave, like, kill kits everywhere around America? And I'm like, yes, I do. She oh. Said, okay, I'm going to need you to do a case on that so I understand it a little bit more. Well, all right. So, yes, today we are doing the case of the murder kit killer or Israel Keys. And this is part one of a two-part episode. Yes. there is a lot to get through with this man. Ah. So, first of all, Israel Keys was born January 7th, 1978, and he was the second child and oldest son of ten children. How you be popping out babies like that? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, he was one of ten children, and his parents were Heidi and John Jeffrey Keys. Heidi and John were quite the controversial couple. Uh, They were kind of recluses. Like, they did not like living in society. Oh, they were recluse. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I don't know why I said it like that. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, Keyes' parents were of the Mormon faith, but more radically... And kids, I could have guessed. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems pretty... <laughs> that lines up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but more radically, they did not believe in government public schooling, modern society, or modern medicine. Um, all right. Because of that, Heidi had all ten of her children at home with no medical assistance or drugs. Unvaccinated kids? Unvaccinated kids! That's what we have. Yeah, that's really great, because, like, once one of them gets something, they're all done. Hey, at least they're not going to public school. That's true, like, they probably don't let him out of the house. How are they going to catch anything? Yeah. When Keyes was a young child, his family moved to Coville, Washington. Nice. Another Washington case. And mm-hmm. Keyes spent most of his childhood there. They did move a couple times after that, I think, to Oregon and then one other place. But this is where he grew up mostly. We love Oregon, too. Yeah, Oregon's great. I've never been, but I would love to go. Sounds sounds. I've never been. (laughs) Keys and his family uh, lived in the forests of Washington because, again, they they don't want to live in a neighborhood. They don't want to have anything modern in their house. And because of that, they lived without heat, electricity, or running water. Well, that's how to get sick. That's how to get sick. Right there. That's also how. Is your personality based on your upbringing, or is it based on your genetics? His nurture, which is his upbringing, was very abnormal, and I could see why people would think that because of his upbringing, he became who he was. But then again, as we continue, you'll see that he had these urges from a very young age. So like I mentioned before... His parents really didn't believe in public schooling, so instead, Heidi homeschooled all the kids, like the good Mormon mother housewife she is. Yeah, housewife. But when they moved to Washington, they actually left their Mormon faith. Yeah, they said no more Mormons because they joined joined a fundamentalist Christian church that was also a white supremacist group. Joy! Yeah, but they decided to say, F the Mormon church, let's go be racist and Christian. 
Now, of course, not all Christians are racist. Just, just want to put that out there. Um, uh, this group was called the ARC, and they usually just went there, and that's where um, the children met most of their friends because you know they couldn't go to school or anything like that. Yeah. So, were they going to church before? Yeah, they were going to church, but like that was their social event of the week. But like that was it. That was it. That was leaving the house time. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Great. Surprisingly, Keyes described his childhood as a place um as his childhood home as a place free from neglect or abuse. So okay. at least they took care of their children. Yeah, at least they did not hit the kids. Yeah, don't hit the kids. Don't hit any kids, especially not your own kids. I mean, I think we should just keep don't hit any kids. <laughs> that is fair. I don't know if hitting anyone else's kid is any better. Yeah. No. He said he did remember his adolescent years being plagued with violent urges, though. Interesting. Mm -hmm. To try and subdue these urges, he would go hunting in the woods because he's right there. Yeah. And you might as well. He said he loved to hunt. It gave him a sort of thrill, and he would go after anything with a heartbeat. That's a charming way to put it. Yeah, it's great. Like, really great quality to have in a human being. Yeah. One of his most memorable moments he said he had as a child involved his hunting habits. So when he was about 14, he invited two of his friends from church over to like hang out. And they were about the same age as he was. Okay. So what else are you going to do in the woods but go hunting? So they were like, yeah, let's do some hunting. We're 14. Let's go kill some shit. So hunting. Did he have, like, a gun? Oh, yeah. He had guns. The family had guns. Okay. And they Great. Just, they were like, here, take the guns, children. With 10 kids, they had multiple guns. Yes. Because we can't have running water, but we could have guns. Guns. Yeah. Technology? Vaccinations? No. Guns? I'll make an exception. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it makes sense with everything we've heard so far. Yeah, fair enough. Not to say they're the people, but they are the people. At least from what I've heard, read, seen, all that type of stuff. Um, anyways, so they were like, yeah, let's go hunting. Let's do it. And so the boys were like, okay. Let's get a higher vantage point. So they climb up to the top of this tree, guns in tow. And um, this is just going to be a trigger warning for animal death and um, specifically the death of a cat. Oh. I know. It's, um, it's very sad. Um, when they got up there, Keys caught sight of a cat that would often dig around the family's trash cans. It's just like a stray cat that would dig around the family's trash to get some food. Wasn't really bothering anyone. But because of his urges and the way he thought about things, he took aim and shot the cat directly in the stomach. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the cat freaked the hell out and started running around the tree and was able to run for a little bit before running into the tree and falling over and dying. God. All right. And you, you know what Keyes thought when he was watching this? Did he laugh? Yeah, he was like, that's funny. No. That's really funny. So he started laughing. And then he looked over at his friends and he was like, they should be laughing too, right? They were horrified. That's good. As Honestly. One, yeah, as one should be. And one of them actually threw up. Yeah. Like, just started throwing I up to disgust. Ran. Um, what? Yeah. It, when he was talking about this, he was like, no one would go into the woods with me after that. Good. Um, good. No one wants to. Yeah, don't follow this man <laughs> into the woods. Please. 
Yeah, that goes for future reference as well. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> this is when he said he started to realize that his thoughts and violent urges that he was having were far from normal. Up until this point, he kind of just thought that everyone had these type of, like, demented thoughts, but that they were just, like, really good at hiding it. Because, like, that's all he'd ever known. I guess. That's fair. Um, That's where I think the nurture part comes in, because, like, there's... It, he was somehow wired to that's fair, cause, think like, like this. I guess. I don't know. It's just hard. To imagine, it's hard to put yourself in that mindset because you're like, why would you shoot a cat? Why would you ever think that people would want to shoot cats? But especially if he didn't go to school or like yeah. if he doesn't have any friends, he doesn't really have anything to go off of. Exactly. Later on, when he was commenting on the incident, he said, I've known since I was 14 that there were things I thought were normal and that were okay that no one else seemed to think were normal and okay. So that's what he had to say about it. took him that long? It, it took him 14 years, yeah. I feel like if he would have been in school, he would have realized it a lot sooner, but, you know. True. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this was... It was probably the first instance where, yes, like, that, he brought he... other people to hunt with him, and their reaction was, like, so shocking to him. Yeah. It, instead of being like, wow, this behavior isn't normal, I should stop this, he thought, oh, if I want to do this, I need to hide it from other people. So, just a look into his mind right there, it's already messed up. Great. From this point on, he started doing his sinister things by himself. He was like, nope, yeah. never doing that okay. again. Uh, so besides torturing small animals, what did Keys like to do? Is this is an open-ended question, Sora. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know why I paused. Um, he's decided, you know what else I could do? I could walk a couple miles and then break into people's houses for the sole purpose of stealing guns. Okay. Yep. He just wants some guns, so how else he is he going to get guns? Them? So, steal more guns. Mm -hmm. His parents ended up finding out about this after they saw an extensive stash of guns that had been stowed away in their house. Yeah. He's... Still, like, 14, so... He's, he's literally 14, and they're like, why do you have these guns? Where did all of these guns come from? I, I know what my guns look like. I'd these be are not terrified, my guns. too. Yeah. Despite getting into trouble with his parents, Keys really didn't care, and he continued to hunt and steal for the rest of his childhood. Sound, uh, sounds like a fun time. Mm-hmm. You know, just those wild teenage years. Yeah. This is him rebelling. Uh -huh. Obviously. That's all it is. He's just, he's just a, he's a growing boy. Mm-hmm. Boys will be boys. <laughs> Freaking hate that. <laughs> when Keyes turned 18, he told his parents that he was actually an atheist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jeffrey didn't like that one. Yeah, I'm sure. That's Jeffrey, sort of like their whole thing. Yeah, their whole thing. Religious, we don't talk to people, and we don't like technology. Th those are the three things. Why didn't they just become Amish? Oh, well, <laughs> funny you say that! <laughs> They they actually, for a period of time, I didn't really put it in here, but I read for a period of time they were Amish. Oh my god! Well, there you go. They they did leave the the Amish religion or it's not a religion society. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think it was like a short lived thing. They tried it out and they, it wasn't for them. That's you know that's okay. They wanted to do their own thing rather than I see be a part of a community. Yeah, but yeah, after that, Jeffrey was like, "Okay, you gotta leave my house, bro." Mm-hmm. 
And uh, later, when Heidi was asked about Keys as a child, he, she only had to say that he was pure evil. Great. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, but that... Her first son, pure evil. Wow. You know, accuracy. I uh, guess he is. Yeah, because... Like I don't know, that's just... You, even Ted Bundy's mom was so adamant that he was the perfect child. Yeah. Well, Ted Bundy was a little better at hiding it than Keyes was, I feel like. Uh, yeah, Ted Bundy had experience with other people, so he kind of had a leg up, but... <laughs> yes. Yeah. In July in 1988, when Keyes was 20 years old, he ended up joining the U.S. Army. You know, he likes guns, so might as well. I can only see this going well. <laughs> While serving, he spent time uh, in Egypt, Fort Lewis, Washington, and uh, Fort Hood, Texas. Hey! Hey, Texas! I don't, I don't even know where that is. I don't either, uh, but I will tell you right now, there is a place coming up later that we definitely know where it is. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. It was said I, uh... that you were. I was just gonna mention that it's super fucking hot in Texas right now, and yeah. we almost turned the AC on last night because it was seventy six degrees in the house. Yeah, it's December and we're in summer. I think it was sixty five today. Yay! Which which is like not summer, but it's also not December. Yeah. And I I honestly don't even know if we've gone. I know we haven't gone below freezing at all no. this year. I know here, this week, it has not gone below 70. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it hasn't gone, I think, well, okay. There was, like, literally one week where it was freezing, and then it, it just went away. So, But um, they think it's going to freeze again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> in case you don't know Texas froze over last year and our power grid could not handle yeah it's really exciting for me because um, when that happened in Denton they lost all the water too yeah and you're gonna have the fun experience of being at a college dorm while everything is going down food? I remember okay this is a very big tangent, but I remember a little. going into the um, dining hall and like they they were get, like giving out food. They were like, "Come get food." They they yeah. extended their hours and like were trying to stay open for everybody. And then at one point, we just ran out of food. Honestly, so, like uh, that's what happened to me and mom is we didn't buy food. Because we were like, it's not going to happen. And, and then, then it happened. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Ah, yes. Back to the the good stuff. Yes. Keys yes, uh, yes. was actually said to be a really obedient soldier. And no one really had any complaints about him as he served in the army. Okay, well. Uh, he managed to stay out of trouble with the law as well, um, aside from receiving a DUI while he was in service. No good, man. Yeah, don't drink and drive. No. But uh, compared to other things, it could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. While serving in Texas, Keyes met a woman named Kimberly Anderson. The two started dating, and they stayed in contact while Keyes was um, finishing out his service in the army. Uh, they made plans to move in together, though, after he was done. All right. I'm a little nervous for her, but... <laughs> but, you know. 
In July 2001, Keyes was honorably discharged and he moved to the Nia Bay, Washington area with Kimberly, who was expecting their first child. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, they had a daughter. I could not find the her exact date of birth. There's not a lot of information on Kimberly or his daughter because they're trying to stay away from this whole situation. Yeah. Which I find completely fair. Well, it's nice to know that they're okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, spoilers. Well, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> On the outside, Keyes seemed to be an upstanding citizen in his community. He worked for a construction business, while Kimberly worked as a nurse. Sometime after their daughter was born, Kimberly and Keyes moved to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, okay. <laughs> they they want to go to Alaska. They just picked up and moved to Alaska. Well, Alaska is pretty close to Washington. Isn't it? Hang on. You just said like, yes, Washington is the closest place, is the closest state to Alaska, but you gotta go through all of Canada. Yeah, but Canada's not that big. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna leave that there. (laughs) In Alaska, he's took his several years of construction experience and started his own contracting business, which seemed to do pretty well down there. Um, one of his coworkers said they mainly worked on infrastructure for children's playgrounds. Yeah, I imagine that there aren't that many contracting companies in Alaska. So, yes, it's kind of a rough area to work in construction. Yeah. He was said to be a very responsible father to his daughter and was a doting partner to Kimberly. That's surprising. I know. He was a well-rounded man, Jella. I don't know about that. At least this half of him was. Oh, fair enough. Co-workers and neighbors said that Keyes had a good sense of humor and did respectable work as a, a contractor. So he wasn't a scammer, at least. Well, he's got one thing going for him. Hey, if you're in Alaska, uh, did anyone have any part of their house or something built by Israel Keys? Because that would be wild. Let us know. Email us. Yes. At truecrimesaywhat at gmail.com. Hey, plug. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) No one would have guessed Israel Keys was hiding a very dark secret. February 1st, 2012, 18-year-old... <laughs> I saw your face. It's just, it's just a little, little close. 2012. <laughs> close for comfort. That was yeah. like nine years ago. Mm-hmm. My car's a 2012. Ooh. <laughs> 18-year-old Samantha Konich was working at Common Grounds Coffee Shop, which was like a little drive-up coffee stand in Anchorage, Alaska. So in Alaska, there's often like little one-room coffee stands that are located like in parking lots and stuff like that. It's kind of what we know as like a snow cone stand. Samantha was working the night shift there, and it was around 8 p.m., so closing time. She was the only employee on duty because she was their closer. Okay. It was Samantha's boyfriend of nine months, Duane Tortellini, who was supposed to pick her up. Duane left his job early, only to find that Samantha was nowhere to be found. Hmm. Well, that's no good. Yeah. Uh, he tried to text and call her, and he waited around for about a half hour, but nothing came up. So not knowing what to do, he went. He made his way to Samantha's house to see if she was there. 
Samantha's father, James Conage, was at a loss for where Samantha could be. Both Dwayne and James tried to text and call Samantha's cell phone several times, but to no avail. After a few hours went by, Dwayne received a strange text message from supposedly Samantha. Hmm. Supposedly. Supposedly. The text read that she was going away with some friends for a few days and to tell her dad where she was. She didn't give any specific location. She just said, I'm going away with friends. Tell my dad. So she sent it to her boyfriend? Yes. Okay. Not her father, for some reason. Dwayne immediately was like, there's no way this is Samantha. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She had never done anything like this before. And he was like, this is not how she talks. Like, her dialect was wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Samantha's dad ended up calling the police the next morning to report his only daughter missing. I think they had to wait a certain amount of time because she was 18. And, um... Oh, yeah. It's a little harder. But, like, she's still a baby. She's still a child. Like... And she disappeared from work. That's what makes it really suspicious. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously she... If she needed to be picked up, she didn't just leave. Yeah, no, where did she go? Like, did she just walk? (laughs) No, it's Alaska. It's fucking cold. And it's February. It's Uh, really cold. (laughs) The police promptly contacted the owner of Common Grounds, the coffee shop she was working at, and the owner was able to show the authorities the security videos from Samantha's shift. So there were four security cameras... And they captured what happened to Samantha. Oh, shit. Okay. At 8 p.m., right when the stand is supposed to be closing, a man walked up to Samantha's window and ordered a coffee. And, you know, it was right at the closing time, but she kind of still had to serve him because they were still technically open. Yeah. So Samantha is seen on the footage making the man's drink. And when she finishes, she turns around to hand it to him, and she's immediately shocked. She jumps back, and she puts her hands up. Okay, so clearly had a gun or something. Yeah, something that he was threatening her with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it seems like he said something to her because she turns off all the lights on the stand. Like, she turns off okay. all and then she opens the cash register and starts taking all the money out. So, you know, kind of like a robbery stand-up. After the man received his money, it seems as though they had, like, some sort of conversation. And then the man physically crawled through the service window and into the stand. All right. That... Is the creepiest, scariest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, um, if someone crawled through the service window at me, oh my god. Get away! In the coffee shop, I'm grabbing anything glass. It is in his head. Mm -hmm. Like, is there no door? There's a back door. She could run. Yeah. Yeah, No, she she was terrified, though. This man had a... I meant, like, why didn't he just open the door? Why do you have to... Yeah. Because then she could jump out the window. I guess, but wouldn't his car be at the window? Uh, He he came up on foot. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like a walk-up coffee stand. I see. Like, you could walk up, you could drive through. Yeah. Okay. We then see Samantha and the man who had a mask on um, and was carrying a gun leave out the back door. Okay, there it is. And you can see as a walk-off and out of sight. Uh, You can watch the full footage on YouTube. It's an 11-minute video. It is weird. And when that man crawled through that window, I was like, nope! 
get away. Yeah, I might look it up. I'm like kind of curious. Did he like just jump through? He he like I guess he like talked about. He's like I'm coming in. Like because they they had like a period where they were they looked like they were talking to each other. Maybe she was trying to talk him down or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, probably. After this footage was discovered, an official search party to search for Amanda was formed. James was trying everything he could to get the word out about his only daughter missing. Again, his old, like, uh, his only daughter. Yeah. He had people handing out flyers all over the state of Alaska, which, if you don't know, is the biggest state. Sorry, Texas. Just a few days into the search, more footage ended up being obtained from a nearby apartment complex. Okay. Um, this showed where they went after they left the range of the other security camera. They are seen walking towards a parking lot, and then Samantha enters a white pickup truck, and the suspect drives away. From this recording, they were able to estimate the year that the truck was made in, and they had a range of 1990 to 2007 white Chevrolet pickup truck. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's like fuzzy, so they couldn't really see, and it was far away, but that's what they were able to get from it. Right. This was good, but it also turned out to be like one of the most common vehicles that you see in Alaska. Yeah, I mean, it's a white truck. Like, mm -hmm. At this time, they contacted the FBI to get them involved because they needed the manpower and profilers and all the special agents that come with the FBI. And because right. Samantha got into a car, she could be anywhere, really. That's true. He could have just gone right to Canada. Mm-hmm. Special Agent Jolene Godin was assigned as head of the case. Unfortunately, beyond the videos of Samantha and her kidnapper, the officers had nothing to go off of, so they just had to keep searching with their search parties. This was until two and a half weeks later, when there was a break in the case. So, Dwayne... Samantha's boyfriend received another text message from Samantha's phone, and it read, Connor Park, sign under pick of Albert, ain't she purdy? And purdy was spelled P-U-R-T-Y. The officers obviously raced to that park, and they found that tacked on a bulletin board inside the park grounds was a photograph of Amanda in a Ziploc bag with a ransom note attached to it. You did just call her Amanda? Um. Oh, I did. <laughs> oh my god. For some reason, I keep wanting to call her Amanda. I don't know why. We've done like two Amanda cases, so. We have. My apologies. Samantha. In the photograph, Samantha was bound by rope, and she had a duct tape over her mouth. No good. Mm -mm. It was determined that whoever took the photo intentionally made the image blurrier, so they kind of fuzzed it up a bit. Okay. And so Samantha, unfortunately, had to be identified by her father. Yeah, that, that sucks. Mm -hmm. One strange thing that James noticed about the photo was that Samantha's hair was tied back in a braid, and he said that she never wore it like that. Mm -mm. Okay. In the note, Samantha's kidnapper demanded uh, $30,000 that would be placed into Samantha's bank account. What? Yeah, he wanted $30,000 in Samantha's bank account. Okay. The police helped Samantha's father place a portion of the money into Samantha's account and then waited to see if anything would happen. 
they had worked out a deal with the bank holder of Samantha's account that if anyone used any of her debit cards or um, like her ATM card, they would be notified and they would be able to see where it was coming from. That's good. A few days after the money was placed in her account, they were notified that a withdrawal was made using Samantha's card. When police arrived at the scene, the perpetrator had already left. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard. Probably <laughs> Unless with, you have withdrew and ran, like video footage obtained from the ATM machine shows that the perpetrator was wearing a mask and a grayish black hoodie. And the ATM card was used two more times in the next couple days. Each time he used the card, he withdrew $500, which was the daily limit. Okay. Every time the card was used, they dispatched, they dispatched law enforcement, but they were always a few minutes behind him because you can only get there so fast. Right. Yeah, they only have, like, after he's completed the transaction. Exactly. After these instances with her account, everything kind of went quiet for a few weeks. Then something really strange happened. There was a withdrawal made from Arizona. Okay. Which is weird. <laughs> um, that's about 3,500 miles away. And it's a 61-hour drive from Anchorage. All right. What you doing in Alaska, boy? How did you get... You said Alaska, but how did you get to Arizona? Oh, damn it. <laughs> what you doing not in Alaska, boy? Not in there Alaska. Mm -hmm. Then, a few days after that transaction was made, a withdrawal was made in Mexico. Or New Mexico? Sorry, not Mexico. <laughs> he crossed the border. He's like, wow, okay. <laughs> then, a few days later, another withdrawal was made in Humble, Texas, and then again in Shepherd, Texas. I know where Humble is. <laughs> yes. Each time, it was the person wearing the mask, and they determined that he was traveling in a white Ford Focus. So, yeah, he okay, he really is driving to these places. Mm -hmm. All right. It's not the pickup truck, though, so it sounds like he maybe flew to Arizona and then has taken the his a rental car or something of that effect across the United States, which is still yeah, okay. whoa, still probably a long ass flight. For sure. And like, how did he get her on a plane? But after determining the car that the man was in, they were able to alert all of Texas law enforcement officers that a man wanted in an Alaskan kidnapping case was hitting up ATMs in the area. This is when a highway patrol officer saw a Ford Focus, a white Ford Focus driving erratically. And he, being a smart officer who listens, was like, ah, that car is in a wanted case. It's a piece of a wanted case. Wow. So the car had been speeding for quite some time when the officer pulled him over. And when he pulled him over, he was handed an Alaskan driver's license. Ah, and the officer was like, crazy. Hmm, that is interesting, sir. Yeah, you're, you're from Alaska. Mm -hmm. huh. Crazy. He asked to search the vehicle, and upon his investigation, he found a gun, Samantha's cell phone, debit, Samantha's debit card, and clothes that matched the ATM footage all across the United States. Hey. Also, quick question. Do, yes. do you want to know where this man was caught? What part of Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Lufkin, Texas. Oh, no! 
Uh, <laughs> um, uh, not to give away our location, but we have been to Love Clouds, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pulled over in the Cotton Patch Cafe. Oh no! <laughs> Not the Cotton Patch. Oh. The suspect was then identified as 34-year-old Israel Keys. Who would have guessed? You got me. Mm-hmm. Despite finding Keys with Samantha's belongings, Samantha was nowhere to be found. Right, that was my next question, is like, uh, we've got all of her belongings. Where is she? Where is she? And Keys was talking to no one. He was like, nope, not talking. In fact, he adamantly denied any involvement in Samantha's disappearance, and apparently just stumbled upon the card and cell phone. Yeah, like, I've just been, like, withdrawing from it, because, I don't know. Yeah, thought I would. Like, he's been withdrawing the max every day. Sir. And obviously, he he's found If he found this card, like, why would you assume there's money on it right away? And why would you keep going? Mm-hmm. No. Like, maybe once. But not even once, because it's not yours. Mm -mm. After being taken into custody, Keyes was promptly moved from Lufkin to the Anchorage Correctional Complex in Anchorage, Alaska. They said, we gotta get this guy back. Get him out of here. Yup. Bye. <laughs> no, you cannot stay in Texas. Oh. This is when the interrogation of Israel Keyes began. And oh boy. This interrogation, all of his interrogations are a doozy, because there are many. Yay. The first time Keyes was interrogated, it lasted about an hour and a half, and he refused to say literally anything. They were like, what's your name? Nothing. Not, if, not even a word? Nope. He said nothing. Wow. But after showing Keyes the undeniable evidence that they had against him, they were able to talk him into giving a full confession at his next interrogation. Good. This was also after he talked to his lawyer, and his lawyer was like, come on, buddy. They know it's you. Yeah. Like... <laughs> it's you. Sorry, man, but, like, who the hell else is it? But Keyes had a couple of demands himself in exchange for his confession. He said that he would tell them everything that happened, as long as he got a cigar and a peanut butter Snickers bar. That's pretty good. <laughs> he said, yeah, I'll tell you, as long as you give me these two things. I want to smoke, and I want to eat a Snickers. I mean, I'd meet those demands. Yeah, those are pretty easy demands to meet. They weren't unattainable at least yeah. that's when he started to talk about what happened to samantha the full-length confession is apparently so graphic and shocking that the full tapes have never been released to the public wow so i don't have all of the information but i do have a basic story of I what happened wanna, i don't want to call it impressive but Wow. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of crap that we know that's so yeah. bad. Like, what did this man do? That's... What are they hiding? <sighs> well, I'll go ahead and tell you what I know. After taking Amanda from the coffee stand, he drove her to his house. Because he lives in Anchorage. Mm -hmm. As you may remember. Yeah. When they arrived at the house, he took Samantha from his truck and placed her in a shed on his driveway. There, he bound her by her hands and ankles. In the shed, Keys enjoyed... Er, sorry, in his shed, Keys started listening to music while he enjoyed some alcohol and smoked some cigars. All while just kind of, like, watching her. 
He then turned up the volume on his radio so that the noises of what he was about to do wouldn't be heard by his girlfriend or his 10-year-old daughter who were in the house, probably about like 50 feet away at most. Yep. Ugh. That's horrible. He sexually assaulted Samantha multiple times and pretty much stayed out there with her the whole night. And, and the girlfriend didn't like get yeah, like, suspicious, like go where on it. are you, bro? I'm just in my workshop. Don't disturb me. I don't All know. night. What? Mm-hmm. Several times he told Samantha that he was just doing this for money and that if he got the money that he wanted, he would let her go. Um, this was never his intention. He just uh, yeah. told her this to um, give her that glimmer of hope because he got off on that. Gross. Gross. Absolutely disgusting. Die in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After he was done abusing her, Keys went back to the coffee shop to re- retrieve her phone and debit card so that was like sometime in like the dead middle of the night Mm -hmm. before she had been um, reported missing he then returned to the shed and continued to um, sexually assault her the next morning he killed her by strangulation and then stabbed her body several times after she was dead wow okay Mm -hmm. so a lot of he got the money. Mm-hmm. After he confessed all that, he turned to them and he said, "You have your monster," and then laughed. Okay, then. Mm-hmm. What is that supposed to mean? Hey, like, hey, you have your monster. It's me. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess that's just like yeah, creepy as hell, man. Yeah, the FBI became increasingly worried about his behavior during the interrogation process. His demeanor was very calm and collected while he was speaking. He seemed very narcissistic, and he never showed any signs of remorse. In fact, he seemed to actually enjoy talking about what he did to Samantha, as if he was reliving the rush he got. I hate when, like, you see killers on the stand and they recount it, and it's like, that you're literally just fueling them. <laughs> yeah, because like they live to be in that moment again, to yeah. live in that moment over and over again. Mm-hmm. They start to realize that they were dealing with someone much bigger than they could have ever imagined from this case. They asked if he could lead them to Samantha's body, and he said he would for an Americano and another Snickers bar. In case you don't know, an Americano is a coffee. Oh, okay. I yeah. I didn't. Yeah, there you go. I know you don't drink coffee. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure I knew what an Americano was, but like, uh, didn't click in your brain. Yeah, exactly. They obliged, and he began to talk about what he did after he murdered Samantha. Oh, oh no. So after he killed her, he just kind of left her body there for one for another day. And then the next morning, he loaded her body into a box that he kept in the shed. Uh, He did this because he was going on vacation in New Orleans. He had to catch a cruise ship. (laughs) What? Yeah. So he put her in a box, and then he... Went inside, and he went and packed, and then he, his girlfriend, and his daughter went on a trip to New Orleans where they boarded a cruise that they had booked earlier. Well, what the hell? Mm-hmm. He left the body there for two and a half weeks while he enjoyed his vacation with his family. Because he left her in the cold in the middle of the winter months, her body froze over while he was away. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was... So, when he decided that he was going to ask for ransom, he had to take a picture of her. He applied makeup to her to make her look more lifelike, 
and then braided her hair. And he said he braided her hair like he braided his daughter's hair. I hate that. That's horrible. That's... Why? Ew. And that's why the image was intentionally blurred, so you couldn't really see that uh, she was... She was dead. Dead and frozen. Which is just... After sending the note, he dismembered Samantha's body and put her body in several different bags. Okay. And then he drove to Mananuska Lake. Pretty sure that's how you pronounce that. I looked it up. So he drove to that lake, and then he punched a hole in the ice. I mean, he didn't physically punch a hole in the ice. He, like, drilled... (laughs) No! (laughs) He, like... (laughs) He um, cut a hole in the ice as if he was going ice fishing, and he just kind of dropped her body parts under the ice into the lake. Okay. Like, in the bags, or just arm? No, no, just freely. Yeah. Okay. You you want to know what he did after that? Smoked a cig. He 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 did some fishing, and oh. he served that fish to his family later that night. Dead body fish. Dead body fish. Nope. The day after he gave his full confession, the FBI went. Uh, the FBI's deep water dive team was deployed. It was still in the middle of winter, and the conditions were very rough. They were able I'm to sure. look. Yeah, it was. They were like, we. Um, it's. <laughs> this is gonna suck, but we gotta do it to get some justice. Yeah. Right. They were able to locate a frozen over fishing hole that matched matched the approximate location of Key's description, and they put their underwater robot in, like, to get a look around, and as soon as they turned the camera on, they were able to see obvious human remains. Right, because, like, he didn't even bother to hide them. Nope. He just... You just plonked him in there. Special Agent Jolene... Godin had to deliver the news of Samantha's death and body being found to her father. Keyes, throughout his interrogation, though, had hinted at other victims. I see. But suddenly, he didn't want to talk about anyone else. He didn't want to discuss anything. But he kept dropping, like, little hints. You know, hey... I may have done this, or, oh, I did this, but, like, not in the way that I'd done it before. That type of thing. Uh, Yeah, I know what you mean. He did mention that he wanted to be executed several times. He said he did not want to spend the rest of his life in jail. He just wanted to die. Yeah, that's kind of the point of jail, buddy. It's a punishment. Yeah, but, like... If he wanted that, they could kind of, like, give him that in the courts. Unfortunately, Alaska didn't have a death penalty. But they said, okay, we could technically try you somewhere else and you could get the death penalty. And they were like, but the quickest way to get the death penalty would be for you to start talking. His other biggest concern was his daughter. He didn't want his daughter to be able to look up his name and find out all the things that he did. Um, Sir, maybe you should have thought about that before you did all those things. Yeah. What the hell? Just a thought. I mean... Mm -hmm. He wanted her to have a chance to grow up, and they tried to use these two factors, the execution and uh, keeping his confessions under wraps to gain leverage with him. Gotcha. Smart. Yep. Keyes then described his first attempt to sexually assault and kill someone, and that it was in Maypin, Oregon, in 1997. 
That's the longest time from 2012, guys. Mm-hmm. A lot of chances to kill people. Well, I just meant, like, how did we not catch him if apparently oh. he's killed a bunch of people? You. And the, you're, you're starting in 98? Mm-hmm. 97. 97? Um, there is a very good reason that we will get into. Get into. Um, this was almost right after he was kicked out of his childhood home. Okay. Um, he did everything he could to stake out surrounding woods of the area that he wanted to kill someone. Mm-hmm. So instead of finding a victim, he found a place. He was like, okay, what would be the best place to kill someone? So he found a wooded area, which is somewhere where he's familiar with, and it was also on a um, river rafting trail. So, like, people would come down the river on rafts. Okay. Yeah, like, pretty high traffic area. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But not, like, too high traffic. Yeah, high traffic enough. He found a girl that had been rafting with her family, but had gotten separated some at some point down the river. He said that he would help her, and she agreed to follow him, but instead he took her to an outhouse structure and sexually assaulted her. So he succeeded at that part, mm-hmm. but... But... He told them her first name was either Leah or Lena. He couldn't really remember because probably doesn't see her as a human because he's horrible. Yeah. He said this wasn't his first time that he had had sex with someone against their will, but it was the first time he tied them up and planned to kill. Mm-hmm. Planned. Mm-hmm. He said he had fully intended on killing her, but she started talking to him, which he didn't expect. Okay. This girl, he said it himself, this girl was really smart. She started asking him questions, talking to him, and being like, oh, how old are you? Like, um, I, like, I probably would have gone out with you if you hadn't have done this and stuff like that she was talking to him and like talking him up yeah okay and like trying to get him to see her as an actual human so he couldn't go through with it gotcha yeah okay this ended up working and he said he lost his nerve and she was able to talk him into letting her go wow mm-hmm. good for Very you girl. Smart girl yeah okay uh, this victim remains unidentified. No one has come forward to claim. That's fine, man. Let's <laughs> yeah, live your life. Yeah. Uh, he said before he let her go, he told her that if she told anyone, he would come back and kill her. Which, you know, yeah. For years after that incident, he said he beat himself up over the fact that he didn't end up killing her. And this is when he vowed to never let anyone go again. Well, that's not great. No, that's not voting well for future victims. No, not at all. After sharing the information about his first victim, he pretty much went quiet and started demanding an execution date before he talked anymore. I mean, just give him a fake one. That, that's fair. I don't know if they could legally do that because they can lie about certain things and they can't lie about other things. So maybe I mean, there's that, a legality issue. Execution but. is a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess. But they were able to convince him that part of their assurance to get him an execution date for him to tell them the whole story and how it happened. Yeah, okay. That's probably a better way to do it than fake execution date. Yes. (laughs) So then he looked at them and he asked for a map of Burlington, Vermont. He said he needed a cigar, a Snickers bar, and an Americano, and that he would give them two bodies 
and a name. This dude is a creature of habit. And that, folks, is where we are ending episode one. Part one. Well, okay. We will not hear about those bodies yet. Not yet. If you tune in next week, you will hear who those two victims are, as well as a couple others, as well as why we call Israel Keys the murder kit killer. Well, all right. Thank you for everyone who is listening, and we hope you tune in next week to get the end of this story. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Say What, and you can email us at True Crime Say What at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.